A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. My target being taken off is the easiest decision that Dean Smith has ever had to make. And that includes, that includes sanctioning the loan move of Samata. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Johan Lange, come out. Come out. I just want to talk. Look, I think Dean Smith needs to sort out some of his team selection there. And we'll get to that. I think he needs to sort out some of the shape, and we'll definitely get to that. And I also think that we need to start seeing more of a Dean Smith imprint on this team. He's been here long enough now. This is the third year in the Premier League. I want to see Dean Smith's tricky villains. I don't want to see this shit. I don't want to be outplayed by Watford comprehensively. Like, if we almost got an equaliser there tonight, that would have been completely unfair. And the reason I'm sort of turning my ire on Johan Lange, because when Christian Perslow says he wanted to address the over-reliance on one brilliant footballer, meaning Jack Grealish. I didn't think we were now going to be relying on El Ghazi. <laughs> and you know, like, it's probably unfair to just single out El Ghazi, but like, that's the reality. Like, you look at that team tonight, so the reason I'm saying we'll get to Dean Smith later, that team isn't good. It's not a good team. Somebody like, you know, some Liverpool fan had texted me just, laughing, you know, Villa getting beat by Watford. He had said to me, Smith out a few weeks ago, I thought, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Smith has improved year on year. And my best response back to him was just sending him a picture of the team. We have Nakamba and McGinn as your two-man midfield. You have Ashley Young and El Ghazi as your wide players. Now, instead of instead of Grealish and Bertie T, or, you know, like, this is, um, this isn't a good team. It's not good enough, so I'm not going to excuse Dean Smith, and we're definitely going to get to that. But, this is a team that lost to Watford, and I can't see. I couldn't see them getting back into that game. Like you know, they did not deserve to get back into it. No, and there's no way they were going to. I mean, that was to put it mildly a fucking shambles. Yeah. And everyone is culpable from the manager and the players that were on the pitch. I mean, make no mistake about it. As limited as I think some of the boys are, they certainly weren't helped by the fact that. We were relying on 14 of them to play every game last year. And if you just look at the bench, things are a lot healthier. You know, Bertie T was there, Twanzebe was there, Courtney, Bailey, Jaden, Carney, Jacob, Ollie Watkins wasn't there. But the boys that were there just aren't good enough. It was absolutely desperate stuff 
it was the job is definitely not finished for you and Lang. We need players, we need enforcements, and we need fucking midfielders. We've spent money. We haven't spent the Jack Grealish money yet. We like, we were we're actually in the green now at the minute, and we are not a club that should be in the green, especially when you're losing Jack Grealish of all people. Go out and invest into this team because probably best summed up tonight by one new signing, Leon Bailey, blasting the ball off the face of another new signing, Danny Ings. <laughs> Now, it's going to take time for these boys to gel together, but that that, that was just indicative of a team that, that that needs somebody dropped in to take control. And I, we are repeating ourselves over and over here, and that's why it's getting more frustrating. So let's just let's just go through the goals to start off with. 3-2 Watford. First goal, like Matt Target, the Matt Target of September 2020. <laughs> you know, if anybody is new to the podcast, we came f- well, like a full 180 on Matt Target. Like we, we had him written off more than any other players probably ever been written off. And he got to a stage, and all credit to him, he got to a stage where we were saying we we wouldn't begrudge him being player of the year. But this was a, an unbelievable first 10 minutes and, you know, probably summed up by his just lounge trying to cut out a ball that he was never going to cut out. And Sar had him on toast, and that was the first the first breakthrough, really. Yeah, and just to be fair to us, as we were writing him off last year, all the way back to last year, we were also saying we need a fucking midfielder. Yeah, but yeah. The, the first thing to say about the goal is that it's fucking dreadful from Emmy. I mean, he needs to use his feet there. It's really, really bad and surprisingly bad from such a top-class goalkeeper. It's not a good finish, and Emmy Martinez has to know he can't get down to it, and he has to save it. The shot's about a yard from his feet. But we, we you're right, we had the Matt target of last year. It was... Such a strange decision to fly out to Tom Cleverley. That's not where the danger is. No. Both because you've now left the winger in 40 yards of space and because it's Tom Cleverley. <laughs> it's Tom Cleverley picking up the ball at the dugouts. Yeah. It's grand. Where are you going? The danger is Sar, the guy who's rinsed you twice already. Like you must know who he is. We must have been talking about him all week. I mean, if 50% of our defensive game planning, pattern building, wasn't centered on Sar, then everyone involved should be sacked. Yeah. It, it has to be at least part of the reason why Young was playing. Where was Ashley Young? In that first 15 minutes, tighten up. Yeah. Remind Watford of who they are. Play control football. Kill the crowd. It was the first game back in the league. Yeah. The first game back in the stadium in 18 months for those fans. Ruin it for them. Give them a reality check. Look after their only player. It was so glaring. Such a disaster that you almost have to believe that we were that we were planning for that. We we thought we would isolate Sar, let him have the ball because he was on it so fucking often in so much space. <laughs> You're so bang on though. Like this is a newly promoted team. Like what that needs. Like I I I actually think looking at that performance today and looking at maybe the lack of urgency from from the sideline and maybe I look into that too much when things are going bad. But I think there wasn't a message there today. Like let's. Let's close up shop for 15 minutes. As you say, suck the life out of it. Ruin it for the fans. Don't give them a chance. Don't give them a, a tail up. And Sar, you mentioned Ashley Young. Like, when did, and I know it was Ashley Young and El Ghazi, but when did Villa ever get these boys away with their regularity and the danger that Watford were getting their boys away? And maybe that comes down to a midfield game. But you're also right about the, the Tom Cleverly thing because Dean Smith was really good at this in the championship, almost almost cocky, but you love listening to it where he talked about setting traps and letting some players have the ball. Tom Cleverly has the ball on the sideline. Grab Sar. Don't worry about Tom Cleverly. Don't ever worry about Tom Cleverly. Like, you know, that, that's a risk. Like, that, that surely should be 101, you know, if 
<laughs> if Tom Cleverley scores a 30-yard goal, hands up, they won't beat us like that. You know, because it's, it's a freak. You'll never, like, statistically win a game like that in the long run. Like, you shouldn't anyway. Getting get to the second goal, it was just, it was a shit show after another. Um, This is Sars' goal. Maybe unlucky with a deflection, but again, left wide open. My target's nowhere to see. I, I think at this stage, my target, instead of worrying about Sar, is now taking the opportunity to get up the pitch. So when they do lose the ball, it's nothing he can do about it. I don't know, again, where Young was. Young was really good when he went left back, but it all starts with Emmy Buendia once again getting caught on the ball with five men around him 20 yards out. Yeah, like, yeah, you've touched on so many things there that are absolutely spot on. I mean, Target was embarrassing. We got better one-on-one defending from Young and even Jacob Ramsey, for God's sake. Yeah. And I know it was a different game in the second half, but it was a different game because Target was so fucking god-awful. I mean, Target was putting his arse three times in a minute in the first 15. Once from a, just a rudimentary turn that was so obvious from Saar, he was never going to do anything else. Like, I have a bit of sympathy for him because it was a, it was a two-on-one. And he was obviously shitting himself and his head was scrambled. A bit of sympathy because one of the two players was Tom Cleverley. But like the second and third time, there's two attempts to shoulder Saar over the sideline. And he yeah. missed him twice. He missed him. Like Saar's a big lad. It's a big target. It yeah. wasn't Daniel James. He just <laughs> ran past Saar trying to shoulder barge him. It was fucking pathetic. But what position did Matt Target think he was playing in? Like, is he colorblind? Can he not see yellow? Like why is Sar in 20 yards of space behind him? But why is the skipper not chatting to him either? Why is Tyrone Mings not smelling that danger and wandering towards Sar, cutting out the, the pass, the channel, as Bundia is just standing on the ball in the box, a packed box? He was always losing possession once he slowed that down. And the midfield and the defence should have realised that, and they should have fucking reacted. And Matt Target particularly, and Tyrone Mings, have to close off that angle. He's their only player... Well, the skipper was too busy coming out trying to hit boys' late shoulders after they passed the ball into the space that he was vacating to try and hit them with his late shoulders. Like, that's what oh. he was preoccupied with. 3-0, two gimp attempts at fouls, and everyone stops. Like, everyone just stopped because two Villa players tried the, the flakiest fouls in the middle of the pitch. I think it was Jacob Ramsey in the camp, I think. And then poor Bundia finds himself at right back, and it's a, it's a fantastic finish, but... Once again, you're wondering, like, what is happening? <laughs> Why are we being picked apart over? And there were a couple of balls that Watford played into those channels uh, early on as well. And you sort of thought, what are they doing? But, like, obviously, that's a tactic that they were working on. And it's a tactic that completely, completely undone Villa. Yeah, and it, it was it just gave them so much confidence as well. And Cash and Target never reacted to it. I'm sure the intention was to get them high and wide to go out and dominate the game. But it was so obvious after three minutes that that wasn't working. And you have to just accept it. Pull back in. Watford were always coming flying out of the traps. I've said this already. Yeah. Stadium was packed. It was the first game of the season. They saw Brentford last night. They had to do the same. They had to go match that. So fucking just relax. Kill the fucking game. Particularly when you've been embarrassed by your attempted tactics in the first couple of minutes. So just get rid of them. Tell Cash and Target to calm it down. Sit back. The Villa response. Now, we know Villa are really good when they're 3-0 down. And we know Villa are really good when there's no crowd. So here they had the 3-0 down option. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's, it's Leon Bailey, which... <laughs> lovely run. Like, he had a couple of nice touches. He looked lively. Um, skillful. Looked, looked dangerous. He looked like the first player who had the ball high up the pitch who could actually create an opening. And that made me all the more angry that he wasn't playing either. I know he's just joined, but 
So fucking what? Like Richardson's just back from the Olympics, straight into the Everton team today. I know he's been there for a while. Goal and assist. Players are good enough. Put them in. Like we don't need Ashley Young running around up top. Um, Bailey's cross. I, like I, I don't know if it was a great cross. Like he has, he's meant to pass it to Ings and McGinn who are there, but it's not a. You know, there's not a lot of appreciation on that. He's just swung it to the edge of the box and. It's an absolutely delicious finish from John McGinn. The first time he didn't try to hit it as hard as he possibly could. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, McGinn today, his passing looked a bit better and he he had the customary energy, which always helps. And no, it was also definitely helped, no doubt, by his summer diet to lose the belly. But <laughs> he, he needed to go on a psychological diet to lose his arse, to lose his irritatingly long list of bad habits, like diving in when he's in the middle too, like smashing the ball every time he gets it at the edge of the box. Yeah. And sure enough, the first time in his fucking career where he hasn't lashed the ball and he sent a floating under the top corner. Fucking big surprise there. You control a football and you can put it where you want. <laughs> and 3-2. Danny Ings just went straight down the middle there. I didn't like it. He didn't look up. Maybe he did see the keeper at the corner of his eye, but he just, he just hit it down the middle without looking. I don't know if he knew the keeper was away. And Bertrand Trorori. Surprise, surprise. Does something nice, pulls something out of the bag. Now I'm not uh I'm not all in on the Bertrand Terori bandwagon just yet, but I was really surprised that he wasn't playing. Uh, so was I. I mean, especially if Young wasn't going to be helping out against Sar <laughs> at left back, it didn't make any any sense. Bertrand Terori had to come into the game. He had a few fitness issues over the summer, but you saw when he came on how good he was, how good he can be, and that's what you get from Bertrand Terori sometimes. So I think it's always a better idea to start him and then you can decide if you need to take him off instead of bringing him on and hoping he's having a good game. I mean, it's really it's really hard to believe how bad, how brain dead that tackle was. I mean, I would be loving it in any other context, but granting us a consolation goal against the favourites for relegation. You yeah. just you don't expect to see that type of thing from anyone other than an out-of-shape lad who's doing you a favour by making up the numbers and five aside. 50 minutes into the game he's fucked he tries to say t- sorry to his teammates the lad he's foiled but the words just can't be formed there's no breath left in him that tackle was one of the worst things I've ever seen <laughs> we're going to get into talking about the the individual performances a bit more and obviously the, the system and some of the decisions on the sideline but just before we do move on have you ever seen a group of defenders pass the ball around with such conviction as the Aston Villa ones and going absolutely nowhere with it. Well, they have to They have to do that. They have to drill the ball to each other because there's nobody in front of them who's looking for it. They're just drilling the ball across to each other because there's no midfielders on the pitch. And when they're not doing that, they're just playing a ball over the top. How many times did we try to play the ball over the top it's, when it wasn't crazy. on? It's, it's absolutely crazy. What the crazy. fuck was that? It made me pine for Ollie Watkins again. I know we weren't great last year when Grealish wasn't there. But it really does show you how much we, we do rely on Watkins because Ings today, you can't, you can't fault him. He wasn't good, but he, he looked like a, a striker playing on the Republic of Ireland team. You know, c- Completely cut off. No no plan to get the ball into the, the final third. No plan to bring him into the game properly. Just just balls lumped over the top. Like Ashley Young in fairness team was the one trying to make those runs into the corner, but I don't know if we want those runs into the corner. No, of course you don't. You know, Ashley Young picking up the ball with his back to three defenders. <laughs> imagine if Ollie Watkins had an injury last year it would have been the end of the world or certainly the end of this podcast but now with just one signing Ollie Watkins is probably the person in the squad we can most afford to lose if it's being measured in the gap in quality to the next player but the next player isn't Ollie Watkins he's not the same type of player 
Yeah. You have to adapt to that. You can't just keep playing hopeful balls, hopeless balls, yeah. up to fucking Danny Ings. Watford were playing a centre half at right back. They're massive back there. Yeah. Danny Ings is tiny. It's a waste of fucking time. Like Ings didn't win one header, but why are we asking him to go up and win one header? Like, exactly. Watkins is the fellow with cushion. We talked about this. Like he brings the ball down. Like that's that's what he can bring you. But like hopefully that's what he can bring you if he's playing alongside Ings as well. Like something something needs to change anyway. I don't want to shit on too much of the rest of the podcast. So we'll get into WhatsApp winches. All right, WhatsApp winges. Any new listeners out there? WhatsApp winges basically form from stuff that I would have texted Liam before the podcast, and it just used to ruin his days during Villa games. Just sending the most nonsensical, panicked diatribes towards him, and he had to take it all. So, what we've decided is I don't send that stuff to him anymore. I let him enjoy the games when when they're there to be enjoyed, and I save them for this podcast. So, always a caveat. You know, I, I'm aware that there's a lot of shit talked in these and a lot of falsities. So, so you're not going to get me on this one, okay? <laughs> WhatsApp Winges is basically a way to say things that you would never say otherwise. And you pretend like it's covered up in a... <laughs> you pretend like it's covered up in a safe environment. But anyway, here goes. I've got two questions for you, Liam. Just, I just want a one-word answer. Has Nakamba ever done anything in the final third? No. Then why the fuck does he persist on being there all the time? <laughs> you know, as that as that game was was developing, I I was just running out of energy of being angry of at Nakamba. It's just again, just to go back to playing five aside with your mates. Whenever somebody's just shit, you just stop slagging them off. Yeah. You stop complaining when they're crap. You you know you wait for if, I, if I'm playing five aside now, I'm happy to tell you to come on, Conan, wise up, you're better than that because you are better than that if you've done something shit. But I just don't think Nakamba is. Nakamba's just dreadful. He's just not caught out for this level of football. I mean, there was two or three times where he tried to take a touch and the ball just went four yards away from him. That's fucking disgraceful stuff. And that's bad enough for a professional footballer, but it's absolutely diabolical for a centre midfielder. And even when he's taking the touch, it's not like he's trying to take a touch in the right direction. He's just trying to stop the ball and it's bouncing off him. He's not trying to do anything clever. He's not trying to get around the player with the touch. He's just letting the ball hit off him. And surprisingly enough, it just bounces away because it's a fucking football and that's how physics works. <laughs> just while you mentioned five aside, we should bookmark to come back to a conversation later in the year about the time we had that what five minute long argument about how shite the player <laughs> the player in the opposition team was <laughs> and, uh, and why I should have taken the ball off him and we were having this argument while he's there trying to play football. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll come back to that in more detail. Doesn't make us look good, so maybe we won't. Um <laughs> but like the canvas slid slid a seven yard pass through to Danny Ings today. Like, you know, anybody could have done that there. It didn't actually set Ings away really. It gave him a half glance at the goals, but He's constantly just moving up there, right? And what it's doing, right? It's wasting his own energy for one. It's taking up space up there, which is probably the most annoying thing. It's leaving his defenders stranded on the ball. This is why we talk about that passing back and forward and back and forward with so much conviction because you have no midfielder because Nakamba's up jogging around trying to get his 10k time down. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's just doing laps of the final third. Like, no interest in freeing himself up to pick up the ball. Like, there's no need to be there. And... Well, most importantly, obviously, this is he's never in position where where a, a holding midfielder should be. He's never behind the ball. He's always chasing it. He he's supposed to be our anchor. Like so, I, I get 
I get the arguments for for why people like Nakamba and why you want them in the team, but this comes back to the Glenn Whelan stuff. Glenn Whelan wasn't good at what he was supposed to be good at. That's what was most frustrating about Glenn Whelan. I know the job he was supposed to do. I know it was limited. I know it was selfless, but he was not good as a defensive midfielder. And Nakamba is never in defensive midfield to be good. Like he, as I said, he's our anchor. If you have an anchor that's chasing the ship as the ship is floating down the bay, <laughs> that is the worst anchor of all time. It's not doing its job. He's always, watch it. He's always jogging back. And he's jogging back quickly, in fairness to him. But he's jogging back behind the ball as the other team are in behind. And like that's not what you see the best anchors doing. Yeah, it's it's and just to be clear, and everyone else needs to be clear in their own minds as well, nobody actually likes Nakamba. What they like is the idea of Nakamba. What they like yeah. is what they think Nakamba is supposed to be, but he's not those things. He's never in position from a defensive standpoint, which is just absolutely unforgivable because we know how bad he is on the ball. But he's also never in position to receive the ball then either. He's just he's just hiding behind players, much like Glenn the Shadow Wheeling. He's a waste of fucking time. There was one stage there where he went charging out to to close off a Watford player. He was never going to get there, so it was a silly decision anyway. But he looked over his shoulder after the Watford player picked up the ball about three seconds before Nakamba could have got to him. And he saw the free man behind him. And he just started, oh, I better get back there. And of course the guy just passed it back in front of him. The ball moves faster than a player. So don't go out of fucking position. Second WhatsApp winch. M.A. Buendia wants someone on his back more than John McGinn wants someone up his arse. <laughs> yeah. This boy won't move until there's two players hanging off him. Yeah, like Buendia was Buendia was dreadful. Let, let's that's you know let's not make any bones about that. He was he was playing with all the decisiveness of a toddler in a sweet shop who's been asked what he wants while he's petting a puppy and holding a balloon. He just <laughs> he he didn't know what he wanted to do. He he. he just dwaddling on the ball and it was all it all came back and how stark it was for the second goal that Watford scored it was it was Buendia losing the ball just standing there on it and he did that all game how many times did Watford just swarm around him it's almost like they played against him a couple of times last year and he knew exactly what he wanted to do it was dreadful and Smith had to help him there as well I mean he tried to move him out to the wing but that ended up having fucking Ashley Young then playing in the number 10 position that was a shambles. The first half is just better off forgotten, but I'm sure we won't forget it for the next 20 minutes. But is this is this what Smith's plan was going into the season? Like, you know, plan B would be Ashley Young at number two. <laughs> this, this is a new season. Like, this is supposed to be new hope and new plans and, and Villa pushing on. We're all talking about Europe and we've got Ashley Young at number 10. God love him. I actually felt a bit sorry for Ashley Young because he was trying his heart out. Ashley Young always tries his heart out. He yeah. always has. Like I've said before, I always think it's strange that Ashley Young get so much ire from Man United fans because he was, <laughs> if nothing else, he was somebody who works his fucking socks off. And we saw how solid he was against Saar in the second half. But to be throwing him into number 10 is just fucking stupid. And Ashley Young should be saying no. He should be doing a Kepa-Aras Balaga and saying, no, I'm not fucking doing it. Yeah. Last WhatsApp winch. Do these cons not really just hard enough to watch this without their late useless tackles taking a minute off the clock every time? Yeah, and this is just a problem that Villa have had since since Dean Smith took over. They just because they're so out of position in midfield in a defensive setup, they're just constantly nipping at people's ankles in because they lose the ball inevitably because the movement's not good enough in front of them. 
and then they're just chasing back. And when you're chasing back, you commit fouls. And my God, do Nakamba, McGinn, and Louise love to commit a foul. <laughs> All right, we'll leave that there. We're moving on to categories. See you there. All these. Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. We've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, Come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. The Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Biggest sitter missed, and let's be honest, there there weren't many. I've got two written down here, and at that, they're, they're, they're stretching. El Ghazi's touch from Cash's pass. Like El Ghazi's come steaming into the box. I assume this is what you meant when you text me, just a laughter emoji. Um, and he's just taken the heaviest touch of all time. He had no idea what he wanted to do. And I thought that looked like a player who's playing at a level above where where he wants to be and where we need to be now. Like he just ran into the box and let the ball hit off him and trickle away. Like he was in the box with the ball teed up for him. And he just didn't think quickly enough. I'm surprised you uh, opened this up by calling it a touch. I mean, that is <laughs> so offensive to anybody who's ever controlled a football. It's, it's fucking terrible. Second nomination. Jacob Ramsey's ball across when Ings was just waiting there. It just had, just had to be pulled back a little bit more. I don't know what he just, just did that one where he put it under the corridor of uncertainty. But it was very certain because nobody was there. <laughs> <laughs> It was a beautiful one too, and it actually got me excited for the second half because that was the change that needed to be made. Yeah. And he just makes the angle a bit awkward for himself with the touch. But when that happens, you have to you have to react, you have to change your decision. And I don't think he could get it back because the ball is just too a little bit too wide and a little bit too behind him. He has to just try to smash it at the back post. He has to have a shot. The pass isn't on anymore because his right foot is blocking off the angle to Ings. So he has to do something different. And it's not just to play a pass to nobody who's there. Just have the shot, see what happens. Keeper might fumble at the Ings if you don't score. I take it we both are in agreement that El Ghazi wins this one. El Ghazi can go fuck himself, yeah. <laughs> the Peter Inkelman What the Fuck Award. I've got five nominations. <laughs> Matt Target's attempted interception for the first goal. He just flinging himself across the, the turf and taking himself out of the game. Dreadful. Fucking absolutely diabolical. And that really just set the tone for the first for, for the first 30 minutes of the game. It was dreadful stuff from Matt Target and it just led to our downfall. Second nomination, Matt Target getting sold for a Mars bar in the box. <laughs> Tries to block across, it doesn't happen. Sits himself down and <laughs> Watford just advancing on into the box. Yeah, look, what, look, what do you want me to say? Matt Target had one of the worst games of his <laughs> career. And well, it's, 
<laughs> no, I was going to say, save yourself. Third nomination, Matt Target throws himself across Sar's body and off the pitch as Sar <laughs> carries the ball across the end line. You mentioned this one already. But the worst thing about that was he tried to barge him already. Like, he tried it twice in the space yeah. of four seconds. It was fucking dreadful. Matt Target being taken off is the easiest decision that Dean Smith has ever had to make. And that includes that includes sanctioning the loan move of Samata. <laughs> Fourth nomination, Matt Target's back heel tackle on Sar. <laughs> only, only bested by the the penalty the Villa got in. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, go on. What's the fifth nomination? <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous Nakamba. He. Tried a John McGinn pass straight to the, the Watford right back and Watford came steaming down the pitch center. Like one of those ones you're like, what what was he looking at? Like he's <laughs> he needed another forty yard for the pass that we think he was looking at and he didn't get anywhere near it. Yeah, so once Marvelous McCamba decides he's gonna pass the ball, trouble's already brewing. I mean <laughs> the the idea that he's trying to play a seventy yard pass is just laughable for everybody involved, except fucking Aston Villa fans. <laughs> I think the winner of the What the Fuck Award is Target throwing himself off the pitch. Zahar just stood there as Target dives out of play. <laughs> Do you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? <laughs> you said Matt Target coming off was the easiest decision Dean Smith had to make. I'm going to criticise Dean Smith for not taking him off soon enough. Like, what is this fascination? <laughs> what, what is the fascination with getting in at the break? It was clear that it had to come off. Like, why you risk it? And you just conceded a second goal, hoping that nothing would happen. Take him off. It's fine. It's not his day. He knows he's coming off at half time anyway. Just put him out of his misery now and save yourself. Yeah, and, and that is a good point that it, and it never, ever gets used. You can make a sub at any point in the game. You don't have to wait until half time. Matt Target is a multi millionaire professional footballer. He can take the embarrassment of being taken off before half time. This isn't an underage player who's being taken off in front of all his schoolmates and all their parents. Get fucking Matt Target off the pitch. He's embarrassing himself and he's embarrassing Dean Smith as well. Second nomination, 4-2-3-1. Here we go again. Like I mentioned Ings looking like a stri- uh, striker on the Irish team. Uh, when you're playing those two midfielders, McGinn and the camp, you just can't play a two-man midfield. Like that, that, That's the bottom line. And like they don't play midfield anyway. So like th- this shape... Looked way better when Ramsey came on. And it often did last year as well when they went to a 4-3-3. So I think he needs to lose this fascination unless unless they're going to bring in a proper anchor. Yeah, I mean, Aston Villa cannot play a 4-2-3-1 without it. And defensive midfielder being signed, they just can't do it for the rest of the season. And even then, you can't play McGinn as part of that. McGinn can't play in that system. He's not suited to it. You saw how much more effective McGinn was whenever he got moved out to the right. You saw how much more effective Aston Villa were whenever there was three of them in there to cover for the fact that Nakamba isn't good enough to play that role. But Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I don't know what this is. This is this is worse than that. I mean, Dean Smith has an unrequited love for the 4-2-3-1, which has only ever treated him badly in the past. I mean, this is a relationship that's just turned violent and is repeatedly slapping him across the face. But he just keeps coming back for more. He's just yeah. a glutton for punishment. Maybe he's a sadomasochist, and that's okay. But it's becoming more and more dangerous. He's taking bigger and bigger risks, and someone is going to get hurt. And it won't be four, two, three, one. It'll move on. 
it'll find more people to play around with, people more suited to it. <laughs> Dean Smith is going to get himself into a lot of trouble if he keeps persisting in this relationship. Third nomination. 71 minutes for Emmy Buendia. <laughs> very kind, wasn't it? Very, very kind. I mean, Buendia just wasn't on it today. Maybe he didn't have enough training in the legs. Maybe he's not that good. This is what I was touching on last week. We'll find out a lot about how much we should have been excited about Buendia being signed because he wasn't particularly good when he was in the Premier League last time. And that was two seasons ago, I know, when he was playing for Norwich, who are one of the worst, who were one of the worst teams in the league of all time but let's let's just you know let's judge Buendia on his performances and today was a dreadful start last nomination respect Bertie T <laughs> well like if you're going to respect El Ghazi you might as well respect Bertie T a bit more <laughs> but Bertrand Trory Bertrand Trory was good when he came on Bertrand Trory did what you want Bertrand Trory to do he got at his man he ran at him he was a bit unpredictable. He created some chances. He created some situations. Villa were much better when he was on the pitch because Watford didn't know how to handle him. And that's what's supposed to happen with wingers. <laughs> They're supposed to put the other defence on the back foot. They're yeah. supposed to not understand what he's going to do next. I mean, I know it's, it can be frustrating maybe for a manager that they don't understand what they're going to get from their winger next. But it works sometimes and it desperately needed to happen a lot sooner today. That's what that's what Leon Bailey looked to bring as well. Like he didn't get enough time and he didn't do enough, but like he looked like he had that air of unpredictability that that does worry defenders. And managers need to enable that as well. They need to empower them. Yeah, let them play within the structure and the system, but let them ask the least too. That's what they're there for. They're there to win games, and they're not going to do it by chasing Tyrone Mings balls over the top. <laughs> so the winner, I think, is not taking my target off soon enough. Like it, it had to come off. I see young was a more than adequate replacement. He was already on the pitch. Bailey and Bertie T, who should have been playing, were on the bench. It was such a seamless sub to make. And he didn't do it. And and by the time he did do it, it was 2-0 instead of 1. Game over. And that's just... The worrying thing is now that that's the fucking narrative set for the rest of the season. Yeah. Villa are fucking shit. They can't do it. They can't do it about Jack Grealish. The Vyman meter, again, for any new listeners, is based on Andres Vyman. And the fact that you could just never hate that man. Like, no matter how bad he was sometimes, and he was never often that bad, he always, always worked his heart out. That's what you got with Iman. So this is a meter just based on based on character and based on what people are giving us. I've got two players going up, um, and one of them is actually Young, just because of the job he did when he went into left-back. Like, you know, Saar looked like a word beater and then just needed that bit of experience and cool head just to stand in the right place and, and, and usher him out time after time. And that's the thing. That like the how pathetic is that that Ashley Young has gone up in the meter because he stood in the right place? <laughs> what the fuck does that tell you about Matt Target's performance today? <laughs> and the only other player going up is Jacob Ramsey, a player who we've had you know question marks over last season. We're we're excited by him, we're rooting for him, but I think this is the season now where he needs to needs to shit or get off the pot. Like he's getting older now, he's, he's been there a long time, he's been given chances, got a lot of minutes last year. And he came on and, and he made a difference. He made a difference today. He absolutely made a difference. He was he was easily Villa's best player, even though he only had 45 minutes. Maybe Konza was the only other player that comes out not looking too bad. But nah, Jacob Ramsey did change the game. He had energy, he had courage on the ball. He was doing the right things, trying to do the right things. He was ambitious. Yeah, Jacob Ramsey comes out a lot 
not too bad. Going down, Matt Target, um, and he's dropped, a, <laughs> <laughs> he's dropped a long way considering how how well he worked himself up at the back end of last season. We don't need to talk more about him. Um, I hope we can hope we can start working his way up again. Uh, actually, the best thing he did last year was start listening to the podcast, and then he started turning his turning his form around. So maybe if he listens to this one, it might inspire him. Going up, or sorry, going down. Emmy Bundia talked about him. Marvelous Nakamba talked about him. <laughs> And going down, Matt Cash. Yeah, Matt Cash wasn't good today. He was out of position, not not as not as exposed as bad as Matt Target because Sar wasn't on his side, I would suspect, but that was probably the only thing that saved him. And all in the ball, Matt Cash was dreadful. The amount yeah. of times he ran out of play twice, overhit two or three crosses, underhit two or three crosses, turned back, refused a few times yeah. to go at the fullback to try and whip the ball around him and just pass the ball back to Nakamba. What's the fucking point of that? Try something, Cash. You're fucking rapid and you've got a good right foot. Use it every once in a while. We've got people into the box. Now you're just recycling it back out to Nakamba. And this is this is fine if the game hasn't already turned, if the pattern has already been set. Break the pattern now because this fucking pattern isn't working. You can't just aimlessly recycle the ball so that we can eventually play a ball over the top to a Watford centre half. <laughs> Remember last year we, we had that award category one week, maybe two weeks, did Matt Cash get forward tonight? And, you know, it was a bit of crack, but there's something in it as well. Like, you know, we signed this player who was supposedly a very exciting, attacking wide player for Nottingham Forest. And he just has never shown that. Like, we love Matt Cash. He's, he's a lion heart. He's a great right back. But we need to start seeing him going forward more now again especially now what's happened in this transfer window, we need more out of our fullbacks. And yeah, like uh, you mentioned it there, like he's, he's not giving us enough going forward. Like that, that's the thing that frustrated me most. Like his defending wasn't as good as it has been. Maybe that was something to do with the midfield, something to do with Villa just look, looking like the Jamaican bobsleigh team, I think it was, you called them last week. You know, but it's not giving us enough going forward. And I want to start seeing that. I want to see more from him because Christ, we need it. And look, if Smith is going to persist with his 4-2-3-1 as well, then you absolutely need it. Yeah. You can't be playing a 4-2-3-1 and not have fullbacks that are going forward. Yeah. Because then that's what happens. Like, you end up just hitting the ball into the corners. Right? You know? And then if you if you do pick that ball up in the corner, like that, that's the pattern. It comes out to Cash, who then gets to Kanza, who then gives the Mings, and it goes into the other corner. Like that's, That is not Dean Smith's tricky villains. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> And going down, I'm Gazi again. We've we've beaten up him enough as well. Like uh, I just I just think we have to we have to be we have to be sort of aiming higher now. We have to be more ambitious than I was just so disappointed. I thought this was the start of a new season. We've made some good signings and looked at the team today, and it was it was Nakamba, it was Ashley Young in a in a wide position, it was El Gazi, and it just didn't inspire hope or a new dawn. Yeah, it's, it's it was absolutely a, a sinking heart moment whenever you saw the first eleven for me. Anyway, I was like, "Oh Christ, we actually are just shit." Yeah, and that's something we all have to get used to. <laughs> <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Does this sum up John Terry's time at Aston Villa? I read you a headline: The Daily Mail. Jack Grealish lifts lid on John Terry's role in Man City transfer. That <laughs> fuck. Here we go. Quote from Jack Grealish. I spoke to John Terry at, at Villa and he said, when you're standing there and you hear the anthem playing, the Champions League anthem, 
there's nothing better in the world. Thanks for that, John Terry. Like, you know, that that's great. Thanks for putting in all that time. And it immediately brought me back to, remember the playoff final that we lost to Fulham, which is the best thing, as we spoke about last week, the best thing that ever happened to us. But I will never forget John Terry hugging Jack Grealish and chatting in his ear for about two, three minutes after after that final whistle. And I could not help but think that he was just saying to him, you're a class player, you're going to get a big move. Do you know, like, that, that's what I thought of John Terry. And I was, didn't, like, we all we all grew to love him. He was a bit of crack. But I don't want him saying that to the captain of Aston Villa. I, if Jack Grealish comes over to me and I'm the assistant manager, I'm Dean Smith's right-hand man. The man who's in having all these conversations with him late at night. The man who's texting. Well, I hope, hope maybe Dean Smith is seeking out maybe somebody else's counsel. But you know, the, the man who he's supposed to be trusting most in the world is chatting to Jack Grealish behind his back saying, yeah, yeah, it's, it's class. You should definitely get a move. Like if Jack Grealish came to me and asked me about the Champions League, I would have just said to him, as Dean's Smith's right-hand man, it's going to be brilliant when we're fucking there. Let's get there. Now get your head down and get back to fucking work. Yeah, look, there are only two things we know about John Terry for certain as you know bystanders in this that he's a he's a bit silly he's daft he's not that bright a bit soft in the head and just a whirlwind of shit banter which is all really hard to reconcile with how inspirational a leader he was purportedly on the pitch but the second thing we know is that he has questionable morals I, I think it's the first that's a play here he's just unthinkingly speaking to the club captain about how it would be better to not be the club captain. And JT is doing this because he's an idiot. Yeah. And all we can hope is that the second character trait has him texting Grealis' missus. <laughs> Last one. How much do you think Ezra Kanza and Dean Smith regret their pre-match talk now? <laughs> they were both... Hitting out that the idea of Villa were a one-man team. Ezra Kanza's, Ezra Kanza's quote was good. He wanted to go out and show people that they're not and how it, how it pissed them off. And I believe it when it comes from Kanza because obviously he's, a, he's an elite player. Dean Smith, quote, Proving people wrong will be a motivating factor. We know what a unique player and character Jack was, but somebody had to get the ball to him. He didn't do that himself. It probably did upset a few players being labelled a one-man team. Well, here we are now. Here's your big chance. And <laughs> there's a big gaping hole in the middle of that villa team. Look, the first thing to say is don't you worry about it, Esri. Nobody was questioning the back five, and particularly <laughs> not you. It was the front six and the manager that were being questioned. And those players and that manager were given 14 games of White Grealish starting last season to prove that they weren't a one man team, and they failed. They failed spectacularly. And then today, Game 15 without Jack Greeley starting, and they were dreadful. I mean, I have some sympathy for the manager because it would have been odd to not build a team around Greelish. And when that was taken away from him, we found out about the players that we had and the reality of the improvements that were needed and the fleshing out that the squad needed and based on today, still needs. And that's it. We are back for a new season and it feels like nothing has changed. Um, we're 0-1. We played newly promoted at Watford. We got our arses handed to us. They looked better. There's a lot, a lot of work to come. Um, it's it's already getting to the stage where I'm thinking, just play Chuck Wemmicka and Phil Jean Badesi. They look better. Like you know, let's just push that button now. Like, you know, we might as well, because this is a this is a shambles and it can't go on. Let's hopefully might get a, a signing in before the before the transfer window closes, and hopefully it's going to be a giant of a signing. Considering we have a hundred million to spend from selling the British record transfer. 
Newcastle next Saturday at three o'clock. Another one we should win, and you know what that means? Another nervy, fucking gut wrenching game to come, and probably another pissed off podcast to come. Thanks a million for listening. Please share it on, and uh, please give us some feedback as well if you're enjoying it. <sighs> Welcome back. See you later.